Welcome to Once and Future Authors, Changing Lives One Book at a Time. I'm Stephanie Larkin, an author, independent publisher, and book coach. And each week we will be discussing processes and strategies to get your book finished and published and meet authors and publishing experts to tap into their experiences and expertise. There is one book out there that can change your life, and that is the book you write. So welcome aboard. This podcast is produced by Red Penguin Books, an independent publishing company working with authors of all genres. Whether you have a manuscript all ready to go, a book still stuck in your head, or perhaps even hundreds of handwritten sheets of loose leaf shoved in a drawer, visit redpenguinbooks.com and unleash your inner author. Welcome to the show. Welcome okay. to the Once and Future Authors podcast. I'm Stephanie, and I am so delighted to be joined today by author Patricia Simpson. Patricia is a writer of gothic, paranormal, dark fantasy, dread punk, which I can't wait to hear what that actually means from right from the author's mouth, as opposed to the Amazon description. I see her smiling already, so please welcome Patricia Simpson. Thanks for Thank joining you. us. Thank you, Stephanie. It's always a pleasure to talk to you. Oh, I'm always thrilled to have you. Absolutely thrilled to have you. And and yes, I I had to throw in there that, uh, you know, dread punk bit, but uh, you are quite prolific. Bring me back before we even get to that, to how you got started writing. What was, what? Oh, it was, it was called boredom because I was raised in this really small town in Montana and they, uh, we would travel great distances, like just to buy our shoes or a nice coat or something. It would take us three and a half hours to get to a big town. And there's, there's no radio stations. You know, we didn't have uh, CD players in our cars or iPhones or anything. You just sat there looking outside that Volkswagen bus as my dad is smoking <laughs> inside the car. <laughs> so were you actually writing sitting there in your seat no but i'm looking out and saying oh what would happen if the, we rolled off this cliff and this policeman you know this trooper came to save me and he was really handsome you know that's how it all starts you, your, your mind starts yeah yeah or we ran over bigfoot or you know <laughs> but you know yet not every single person in montana writes exactly but for some reason, I was, I, was, I was actually punished for taking books to the dinner table, you know, stop reading, because I just love stories. But um, I always say the one thing that made me write paranormal stories is I checked out this, the Armenian Wonder Tales, I think they are, from the library. And there was a story in there called The Boy Who Took the Letters to the Dead. And that really, I still get chills thinking of that. That concept was very interesting to me. And I loved Egyptian mummies and horror films. And I just started writing um, stories about Egypt and Dracula. <laughs> and I had one of my plays produced in, um, in junior high. Yeah, Dracula. Really? Yeah. Oh my gosh, yeah. so this is definitely way back. Oh yeah, I've been, in junior high, I was writing longhand, you know, 150 page novels. And I, you know, I'm such a nerd. I begged my parents, please give me a typewriter for Christmas. So they did. 
And then I begged my first husband, please get me one of those electronic brother typewriters. And it had a little screen where you could see what you were typing, and, but it saved it. You know, right. you could see it like three words at a time as you're typing. Oh my gosh. And that's how these first books were done. Yeah. I remember sending gal, you know, typed manuscripts that you had white out on and taped pieces of paper. Oh man, I'm so happy for computers because I... <laughs> I've been writing forever. I yeah. can only imagine how happy you are for a computer. Now, if you suddenly want to add in a, a new scene in the middle. Oh, of yes. I wrote so much that the, the letter uh, E fell off my typewriter sticker key on my typewriter. No way. Now and it wasn't. You know your favorite letter. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Boy, so it's gotten easier over time then writing. Does that mean you, you are writing more? I mean, I meant the process. The process um, is the easier. Physical, the physical process, not the, yeah. the creative process. Creative process has remained the same, you know, a challenge and a joy, challenge and a joy. Wow. Yeah. So what was the first genre that you wrote in? Was it that paranormal? Um, yeah, well, my very first novel that I illustrated when I was, I don't know, 12 with the felt tip marker, orange and black, very, very nice combo, um, was called The Day He Opened the Coffin. And it just kind of spiraled down from there. <laughs> and then you, at some point, added in romance, uh, well, gothic, fantasy, you know, how did those co things come into your, your bag of tricks, shall we say? Well, um, I'm going to go back to the, the hardware side of things because I was going through a terrible um, time in my first marriage and I was just tired of the, the stuff that was going on with my husband and I, and I just got a Macintosh computer. Do you remember the ones that were like white and they were like this high? It was a yeah. Mac plus. And they actually, they actually let me take that home to work. Uh, from my work, because I, I could work at home and do a lot more work. I was like the first remote worker. So I would take that little Macintosh home and I just fell in love with it. And um, I said to myself, I wish, I wish I could meet a man that I love as much as this Macintosh. Computer. <laughs> and well, lo and behold, <laughs> definitely the best thing I've ever done. Yeah. Lo, yeah, lo and behold, um, I thought of a story about the Scotsman named Hazard McAllister that comes out of a computer as a 3D hologram and the heroine falls in love with them. No, yeah, that you was my... actually imagined a Scotsman coming out of a Macintosh computer. Yeah, yeah. And your, and, and your yeah. husband is? Scottish. <laughs> I have this video on YouTube where I say, can you write things into your life? Because I wrote a couple of Scottish heroes um, and, you know, now I'm married to this guy and he's very, he, you know, he's not like a drop dead gorgeous guy, but he is very heroic and he's very um, charismatic and he's Scottish. And I think I just wrote my character in right into my my life you, you just inspired a whole lot of people to just turn off our podcast and start writing their dream man because if patricia simpson can do it so can i hey i wrote about a heroine that had a head injury and lost uh she had lost 
she couldn't have her daughter with her. She had to prove she was okay for a couple of years. And I fell off my deck when I was dis- demolishing it and had a really bad head injury. No. <laughs> and now I'm writing about a virus that's attacking, you know, vampires. No. And I'm thinking, oh no, come <gasps> on, come on. Okay, we need to be careful about what you write. Exactly. So now I'm writing about my daughter becoming a famous actress. So, hey, we'll see what happens. I think that's a great idea. I think people are going to start putting in requests with you. Yeah. Oh, hey. Money. This is a moneymaker. It's called The Ghostwriter. Oh, my gosh. Exactly. What? Okay. Goodbye. Bye. I better go. (laughs) You have to do. That is a great idea, Stephanie. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. It's like. Yeah. You know how they, for saints, they leave stuff or requests for saints to do miracles? Right. The ghostwriter. Yeah. I don't think that's been done. But I think I know who's going to do it. Yeah. Okay. (laughs) All right. Can you promise me a few more minutes before you start writing that? (laughs) (laughs) And then you have to promise me to come on the show so that we can uh, Mm. do a big book release and and everything. On, on Zoom, because because of your virus book, we're still going to be here. Oh. <laughs> I mean, now you tell me, how does, I didn't read the virus book. How does it end? Well, this is, the apothecary is um, the That's first virus book. Yes. Yes. The vampires have a virus and their skin is kind of like, they're kind of like aging real slowly, but they're actually getting like fungus and stuff on them and they don't know what it is. There's, there's getting sick. So. Do they get the vaccine? Because, you know, they're looking for one. They're looking for, they're looking for somebody. uh, Let me show you. In this book, they're looking for somebody that has a very special uh, blood type because she's half vampire and half human. So, um, yeah, that's the Londo Chronicles that I've been immersed in for the past five or so years. Okay, so yeah. so if you two are wondering how this story ends, <laughs> yeah, run, do not walk. <laughs> how many yeah. books are in the Wando Chronicles? There's there's three plus a novella that started it off, and it was uh, you know my writing buddies and I on a lark just decided. Excuse me. That we were going to write something fun, you know, 25,000 words, just a piece of cake. Right. And I created this world called Londo City. Oh, no. And it's kind of a steampunk book, but Prodigy, Phoenix, and Apothecary are dreadpunk. Oh, okay. Now that's what I was going to ask next is tell me a little bit about steampunk, dreadpunk. How do we know what we're reading or writing? Yes, that's a really good question because when I when I was trying to describe what I'm writing to my writer friends, I go, "Okay, is it a, is it a gothic?" And I said, "Not quite." Is it a romance? Not quite. Is it a horror? And I said, "Not quite." And they said, "Well, what is it?" And I didn't know. And then I was just doing some kind of web search on Hammer Films because I was I was just um, doing some article. And this guy invented this term called dreadpunk. And I thought, Eureka, that's exactly what I'm writing. And he just coined this phrase a couple of years ago, I think in 2015. And it's a mixture of horror, gothic, 
set in London, usually in the Victorian era. Look at that. So you got yeah. your category. Yeah. And oh. there's a lot of people that like that. There's a there was a series called Carnival Row on and Penny Dreadful. They are dread punk kind of um, series. There's, they were really good. <laughs> and, and how is that varying from steampunk? Is it dread punk if it's in London and steampunk if it's someplace else? Or No, um, dread punk, it's dark and people are, wear nice clothing and they're subtle and they usually um, don't have vehicles and things like that. It's more, you know, carriages and horses and stuff. And steampunk is all about like Jules Verne with the balloons and the okay. weird inventions and they've got guns that and lots of holsters and stuff, you know, it's, it's more uh, adventure, not so much gothic. Fantastic. And, and you, yeah. you, you kind of answered, but I want to go back to it, um, that you don't necessarily write for a category that you were writing because of the, where the story was leading you. Of course, and yes. You say, of course, but these are great tidbits for our writers out there who sometimes think this is what I'm doing and now there's a set of kind of rules and regulations around us. So, so bring us back a little bit to book development. I love that. Okay, yeah, um, that's a really good point. And it's a subtle one because there are, like for sci-fi, there are certain tropes that readers expect. And if you want to have a wide readership, you have to bear those in mind, mind when you're writing. But when you're writing a book that really uh, compels you, I, I would first forget about the tropes and write what compels you um, because there is no mistaking that passion when uh, someone reads a passionate kind of story. I, it's hard for me to explain, but I will never write for the market. Never. That's probably why I'm not a millionaire, but I just follow my heart, you know? No, I'm so glad you made that distinction because, you know, I'm asked constantly about, you know, certainly writing to the market and, um, and not. And I'm, one thing I really appreciate, appreciate about what you just said is you recognize full well that you are being true to you and to your story and right. you are not deliberately taking that step to write to market. Uh, not everybody is as self-aware as what you just said. They kind of have a foot in both camps. I want to do what I want to do, but I also want to write to market. And, and I yes. awareness there. Yeah. And, there are, and there are those that don't know what the tropes are. They don't, they think, you know, they're, they say they're writing something but they don't, they haven't educated themselves enough to know what the rules are. Mm -hmm. before, you know, you have to know what the rules are before you break them or, or ignore them. So don't, you know, just don't oh. go starting to write without educating yourself. Huge, huge nugget right there. I'm one, I'm one for pulling out, you know, it's like an interview with a highlighter pen. And I want to make sure everybody heard what you just said. Mm -hmm. You need to know the rules in order to break them. Um, too often people, uh, the number one way of course to improve your writing, I would say would be reading and read and read and read and read. Right, um, yes. That you know, what are the rules? And that goes for, so, I mean, if you want to uh, spell incorrectly or use um, a different slant on grammar in your book because it works with the character, 
it works if you knew what the rule was in the first place. Yes. Yeah. You know, yeah. It goes with the tropes that you're talking about. Um, know what the parameters are, shall we say, and then feel free to break them. But sure. Maybe- and keep it simple because eventually most writers do want to sell their book either to an agent or, uh, you know, readers. Right. And if you can't describe the book, I mean, people want to know that it's sci-fi, you know, and it's set in the, it's, or it's fantasy, but it's a medieval fantasy. It's not a space fantasy. So you have to know how to describe it. You can't just say, well, you know, it's time travel, but it's sci-fi and there's some horror in it. It's just, the readers just don't know. It's just, there's too many choices. Right. And there's too many yeah. choices if, if a, an author like yourself was describing it, but too often we don't even have that chance. It's what they can find on Amazon. And exactly. We, what you just said, where the book is placed, kind of like what I say, what shelf it's on in a bookstore. Yes. Mm-hmm. If they don't know what shelf to go to, they're not going to find your book. Sometimes, and I, you know, I have trouble with this myself. I don't know what the category is that I'm writing at first. I just don't know. Yeah, and the categories are changing. I mean, there are approximately 10,000 categories today, or maybe that was yesterday, because they're different. Things are getting added if there are enough books that are pushing the envelope, let's mm-hmm. say, in a particular area, categories are added. So it's not that you don't know, it's that it might not even exist yet. Yeah, yeah, that's, and that's what tags are for. I mean, tags are wonderful, you know, the hashtags where you don't have to explain it, you just say what's in there. That kind of helps, but it's hard to do hashtags in an elevator talking to an agent. <laughs> you should carry a little hashtag sign. Hashtag. I know, exactly. <laughs> I think one of the hardest things for a writer is actually doing the creating an elevator pitch. You know, what's your book about, Patricia? In you, know, most, you know, 15 seconds or less. Yeah. Yeah. It's really hard to to hammer that out. But I'm so glad that you're saying that because you're giving credence to the fact that you need to do that. All authors for their books should know what is the elevator pitch for this book. Because, you know, Patricia Simpson's been in an elevator with an agent. She needed to know it. (laughs) I'm I'm the worst, though, at that. So, yeah, I still grapple. It's not easy. And especially because as the author you know, all, you know, 300 pages of it and to try yeah. to, to try to narrow it down is almost like playing favorites with, uh, yeah. know, lines and characters. I've tried to, I've been working at a little app. Um, I did an article on how to do a one sentence pitch using certain, like remember Mad Libs where you fill oh, in the yes. blank because there should be certain things in that sentence, like the issue and the, what the person intends to do. And if you could just fill in the blank and then just make the sentence, it really helps. And so I've been kind of using that. Oh, that's a great idea. I mean, that's on my website. Right, and then for yeah. any book. Pardon just, me? For any of your books, you're all ready. You've got the framework. Yes. Mm-hmm. Now you have so many books in so many different genres. Um, do you have a favorite? book or genre? Are you allowed to say, or are you like parents not being allowed to say who their favorite child is? I think, uh, well, 
always the last book I've written is usually my favorite because it's still so dear to my heart. And this one, this one, um, I particularly love Phoenix because it's a redemption story about a woman that was very self-involved and weak in the first book. And she really, she really becomes a woman. And I, and it has a, a hero from Croatia in it, who's real sunny, you know, and believes in her. And I just really like their dynamic. So that's my favorite right now. But my very favorite of all time books that um, I've written is called Raven and Amber. And it's about a Native American man who hates, who is through with women, especially blondes. He's, he's just lost all of his hope and faith in his tribe and about a white woman that comes to the reservation looking for her, a, her friend who was an illustrator and she's disappeared. And it's when those two people meet, it's just really, really a great book. Wow. And it's based on real, real, um, real life events because the Native Americans up by above Seattle were going to, instead of doing like a casino, they decided they were going to start an oyster hatchery and raise oysters because you get really good oysters from that part of the world. And so they created this bay and it was successful, I think only for a couple of years. And then this huge storm hit and it flooded with mud and that was it. I mean, of all the luck, you know, and that, that happens in my book. Wow. And, yeah. And I can't help but notice that you're blonde and this protagonist was blonde. So I'm wondering if you met the uh, Native American. Where the <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, he was inspired by, I did a lot of research uh, um, because I wrote a couple Native American books and um, I opened this book and there was this black and white photo from the Smithsonian of Olathe, Olahe, Olathe is his name. And he was a chief of the Confederated Tribes of Siletz, Oregon. And he, he just struck my heart. And so he is the image I had in my mind when I wrote about Kitsap McKenna. Wow. Oh. Yeah, so, but I was a redhead at that time, so. <laughs> I love the way you described with that book, the first seed of the story, how just opening this unrelated book and seeing a picture and how many things can grow out of that. Yeah, so yeah. People will say to me, oh, I want to write. I don't even know where to begin. How do I get an idea? And the way you just described that. Oh, it just, it just went into me. And that's the way she meets him in the first part of the book, the first time is she goes into his grandfather's lodge, it's dark and he's lying there because he got there, he lived, from, he lived somewhere else and she, he wakes up, no, she wakes up and he's looking down at her and it's like, oh my gosh, it's a latte. I don't know, I just, ah, I still like that scene so much. Wow, wow. But you know, I have a, I have a critique uh, member that says, I don't know what I'm going to do because I finished my book and I just don't have any more ideas. And I, I have never experienced that because all my ideas come from like a newspaper article, you know, 
or they found some mummy or they found a king under the parking lot in you know London or somewhere and it's like there's thousands of things that can spur your imagination out there and I'm so glad you said that because sometimes I think people who are writers consider it a very interior action and they're by themselves and they're blocking out the world and they're not reading magazines, newspapers, or things like that. So if they have no ideas, maybe they need to get out of their house. Yes, exactly. Yeah, read it, yes. You know, Just, or, or at least get out of their head. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's hard. Writing is a serious, tough, and really exciting business. I just can't imagine making a living from stuff that you bring out of the ether and put down, you know? I love that vision though, of bringing it out of the ether and which implies that it's all in the ether, that there's this, you know, aura that's just all around and we need to draw it out. So your friend who has no ideas needs to maybe get some fresh air and be closer to where they, you know, surround yourself with it somehow. She does write different. She writes kind of like funny stories um comedies so you know you don't find too much of that in the newspaper do you oh that's Uh, very true that's very true i guess that's a people watching kind of a thing that you you know like yeah man man in clown suit robs mcdonald's i don't know you know you just don't see it comedy is rough but all writing is rough i mean we're sitting here um tell me a little bit about your gothic writing how did you get into that you know that's a that's a very specific Yes, that is a great question, um, because I spent 25 years living in the misty, moody area of Seattle, Washington, and one of my favorite places to go was a, an 1880s town, used to be as, as port was as big as New York's at the time, and the railroad never made it up to Port Townsend, and so it kind of died on the vine, but they have gorgeous Victorian and Queen Anne homes there. Mm. And they're like B&Bs and I used to go there. And I just love old houses and the stories they tell. And then I moved to California with my new second husband and he goes, oh, you're gonna love Alameda, California. You're just gonna love it. And I said, no, I love Seattle. I can't imagine leaving this place. And I get to Alameda, it's an island. It's full of Victorian homes. It has nice weather. What is not to love? And yeah, I take old house tours all the time. And I love to hear what happened there. And um, I hate basements. And so I set, and what I like about a Gothic is that it's usually a woman that is by herself, sometimes an orphan, uh, usually no family that ends up in a you know creepy house, something happens and it takes place over a short amount of time. That's the kind of story I like. Yeah, do you live in a Victorian with a basement? I, I couldn't, <laughs> I'd be too scared. I'd be too scared. It's in a beach house, which is a ranch with no basement. I, 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 this root cellar is like as much basement as I can stand and it's tiny. <laughs> I can see everything. There are no dark corners. Oh, good, good, nothing behind. Yeah, well, I'm sure that you, you have an imagination. You can imagine what's behind those dark corners. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All the what could be. Is there a <laughs> genre that you haven't yet put your toe into that you're thinking about in the future? 
Oh, I don't write sci-fi, um, you know, like space, space sci-fi. And I don't write action, action novels. And I wish I could write comedy. Boy, I wish I could, but I just can't do that. I can't do chick lit at all. <laughs> it is definitely- But I wish I would, you know, I wish I would have uh, written um, Bridgerton Oh yes. You know, <laughs> that was. I do question. like the. I was gonna. Yeah, ask I do. You, is there a Sorry. book you wish you would have written in Bridgerton? <laughs> well, the whole series. Yeah, yeah. I and I love, I love Anne Rice. She's my, she's one of my heroes. Um, so she got me thinking about writing about vampires, and I put it off, put it off for so many years. Um, the Londo Chronicles is actually my first vampire. Uh, novel after all the, these years of writing because I I thought I'll never live up to Anne Rice's vampires never <laughs> but I think mine are pretty good I think so but uh so 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 comedy romance fluff chiclet not happening yeah I am just you know I like fluff and I will I love to watch rom-com movies I just can't I can't just can't write them not for everybody. What else do you like to do in your spare time? What are some fun things we don't know about you? Well, as I've mentioned to you in the past, I, I'm a, a shameless karaoke addict. And uh, I've sung probably 4,000 songs on this stupid app that I, that I sing with, that you can sing with people from all over the world. Really? And make a video with them. You don't sing together at the same time, but they'll open a song with the part for you and you can see them when you're singing. And then it melds those two videos together, much like, you know, you and me are doing now. And it just, it's so wonderful. And you make friends. Oh my gosh. Hey, all over the world. A thing. I, yeah. I, I was thinking, oh gosh, there's a pandemic. I guess nobody's doing karaoke because I picture it happening in a smoky bar on a Friday night. Yeah. Yeah, some people really get into it. They wear wigs and makeup and, you know, it's like I have lights. I used to oh, just yeah. sing in my bedroom. Karaoke backyard background there. I love that. <laughs> yeah, it's just, uh, it's really kept me sane. And music is a special, uh, has a special place for me. Because I, I play guitar and I played clarinet for 12 years and got pretty serious cool. about it. Yeah. <laughs> Now, classical clarinet or jazz clarinet? Classical. It's odd because I love jazz, but I could never, you know, I just learned to read music with that instrument. I, I never learned to play by, by ear with that instrument, not like a guitar. It's so weird. I don't know. You just, yeah. yeah, no. Are you, are you more of a symphonic chamber music? What's your yeah, favorite yeah. clarinet? Yeah. Mozart. Mozart. Okay hands down. Clarinet concerto. What's not to like? Yeah. So clarinet and karaoke and, mm -hmm. and reading, you know, shameless chiclet when she's not working. Well, <laughs> oh, I don't read it. I just watch it. Oh, okay. You got to wait till the movie comes out, huh? Or the TV yeah. show. I've, I'm in a, a book club for the first time because I recently retired. So now I have time to do the stuff that I really like. And so I joined a book club with a friend of mine and I have just rediscovered just reading 
literary novels. And we just got done discussing one called The Sea Island Women. And they were divers in this island off the coast of Korea. And they, they ruled their households. It was just really an amazing story. The island of the Sea Women. Yeah, they would dive down and harvest seafood. <laughs> Who knew? I know. Just and I just I I just love reading. I don't read romance novels. That's the odd thing. Right. Yeah. Is there anything else you want to do during this uh, newfound time with retirement? Well, we have we bought this acreage uh, outside the city limits. We have like seven acres. Lots of it is pasture, but we have a huge garden, and so we're going to try to be gardeners this year. My gosh, you're going to be enough that you can just uh, be self-sufficient with your own food supply that much? Yep, we're hoping. We have a well, and uh, we're hoping we could become self-sufficient if we had to. And we have a stable, you know, we could raise some animals if we wanted. Oh, my goodness. Look at you. Yeah. yeah. There's going to be a book about it. Maybe. <laughs> yeah. Well, my the screenplay that I just uh, completed was set on this property, and and it involved horses and yeah, I'm trying to write horses into my life. So there you go. I love that. Well, if you write horses into your life, you're going to have horses in your life. Yes, I hope so. Sure. Well, yeah. I just want to remind anybody who is watching or listening, um, patriciasimpson.com. There is plenty there to keep you busy, um, whether you're uh, still locked up or, uh, you know, want to get the, your own creative juices going, um, head over there, whether you like gothic, paranormal, dark fantasy, dread punk, or all of that stuff in the cracks that have not yet been named. Because <laughs> there's a lot of cracks that haven't been named yet. Thank you so much for joining us. Oh, you're welcome. It's always and, a pleasure. Uh, I want to read that next book about the ghostwriter, that's for sure. Oh, yes. Okay. I'm putting that in my noggin. All right. It's in the <laughs> noggin, which means it's going to happen. Thanks okay. so much. And, and for all of our viewers and listeners, happy reading. Thanks so much for joining us for Once in Future Authors. If you've enjoyed the show, please subscribe to the podcast and leave a review. Reviews help other interested listeners to find the show, so your review could launch new books every day. Thanks again for joining us, and happy writing.